I've been I've been duped by Adam Scheffler before though. So. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the forever wonderful Zach Mack. Man, Ovi with another hat trick. I'm just going to make him a permanent a permanent name in our intro. I was going to say this a couple times in a row now, and he's come up. He's And his, his reasoning for why he scored a hat trick is because he got mad. He got, like, high-sticked. He's like, I get high sticked, I get mad, I score a goal. And he's just talk about Russian machine, man. He's he's a freak. He's closing in on seven hundred goals. Got was six hundred eighty nine, I think. So wow. that'll be that'll be a celebration to keep our eyes on. I think we've talked about this before, but he's definitely gonna break Gretzky's record, right? I think so. At this point, I think the last time you brought it up, you said yes, and I said no. But I was—I've been reading some stats and some paces that he'll have to stay on, and there—I mean, he's still got a ways to go. But I think—I think—I uh, think, think he hits it. Fifteen seasons in a row with thirty goals—that's incredible. Yeah, remember when he scored thirty-three and people thought he was regressing? <laughs> Just—we've uh, got a bunch to talk about. Obviously, this is our weekend episode, so things are a little more low-key, a little more relaxed. Um, we're going to we're going to start with something we forgot on Wednesday which is the ratio firing uh Dell's GM former GM uh, was fired sun this last Sunday and it it came as a total shock and I'm glad we kind of forgot about it on Wednesday cuz now I know a little bit more about the situation and I want your take on this because of where you stand as far as numbers versus eye test the word from inside the Devils is that the analytics department was clashing with Ray Shiro's ideals, and the ownership took side of the analytics guys. I saw that on Twitter. I saw people talking about that. I, it, it, weren't uh, Friedman and Wyshynski going back and forth on that or something? Um, a little bit, yeah. I think it was a little friendlier than it came off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the but, same yeah. vibe. But uh, it's just interesting because, I mean, you get rid of – Heinz, and then it, it almost seems like they're cleaning house. I don't know if, if Heinz was also not on the analytics board and, and you know, they got rid of Heinz as an example to Shiro. Like, hey, if you're not on board, like, this is what's going to happen. And Shiro just stuck his foot in the ground, and they were like, okay, you're going to. And he just didn't think that that was going to happen. I don't know, but it's... I mean, I... The weird thing to me is... I I see a lot of people, obviously, they're, of any sport, hockey probably has the most anti-numbers guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's just there are some stats that, hey, goalie expected shutouts. They actually <laughs> appeared more often than we thought. You know, so, like, once you see those trend in numbers and how it looks towards each and every goalie or player or team – if you've got the right crew, and I know Tyler Dello is 
a you know he's a mainstay on puck soup and he's w- well respected when he got that job a couple of years ago people really thought that the rebuild was gonna was gonna happen that day and i mean ray shiro he was going on year six and having to start another rebuild it just seems like he wasn't that good of a gm so yeah. he was gone no matter what it was just i guess the analytics uh department in within the devils that said hey if we do this now it might not be the end of the world i don't know why but that's the feeling i got how do you feel about analytics because i i honestly i don't mind them i i like i was never an analytics guy when i was coming up through hockey i guess probably because it just wasn't a part of it when i was playing but I, i don't hate it when people bring it up i do challenge pretty much every single one that comes through new one that i see because i just think that uh I don't want I don't want advanced stats coming left and right, but yeah, I do get the purpose of a lot of them. I mean, how do you feel about them? I I think they provide a good level of insight, and they're definitely. I mean, I think even analytics guys will tell you, like, yeah, this data is like right eighty nine percent of the time, <laughs> and sometimes it is just like being able to watch a game. Like if you if I knew nothing about hockey and nothing about the numbers, I could probably watch one game of each team and probably pick the I don't know three of the top fifteen players out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Like there there are guys who just look incredible, and then the numbers back it up. And yeah. then there are guys who are better than we think, whether it be goalies or skaters that are much worse than we think. They just I don't know are on a line with Connor McDavid. Like things like that always come into play, and I think that's the important part of analytics. But can't be your only input as far as how you look at teams. Yeah, we should run analytics on the analytics. But uh, you're right; it's <laughs> you don't want to like because what I see is I see a lot of people using it as like they don't watch any of the games, and they whip out these analytics. Yeah, I like, hate that shit. Yeah, like I know what's going to happen in this match. Like, you, no, you don't. That's what I don't like, but. You're right. If you're watching, if you're watching games and using the analytics based off the games you watch, I think it could be super useful. I think a good measure of that, I don't know about measure of that, but example would be the Islanders last year. The, some of their underlying analytics were so good, and we've talked about this before about regressing to the mean. And Jackson brings that up all the time when it, you know, especially when the Bruins are stumbling, mm-hmm. and it's. It's one of those things where, yeah, the Islanders are going to come back to earth. Like, there's this isn't a playoff team. They have no offense. Like, these goaltenders can't do this forever. And then they did. And then they, you know, swept the Pittsburgh Penguins and then, you know, got swept right after that. But it was incredible the way that the numbers said one thing and we never, most people never really fell for it. Yeah. They're like, yeah, this this team's not good. This will fall apart. <laughs> And now they're still – I mean, look at this season. They're arguably better because they've been up in that 2-3 spot the entire season. Yeah. Well, the Devils seem to be on the side of the analytics, so I guess we'll see how it goes for them. Do you think – so the owner of the the Devils was the owner – I don't know if they still are, but they were the owners of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers during the process – Okay. Or I guess they're still in the process, but they they were part of the beginning of trust the process, and 
obviously it got to the point where they had to bring in other, I, I'll never be able to recall the names, but they got rid of the one GM who was do probably at the helm of a lot of the tanking. And they bring in another guy who's able to build what seems like a decent basketball team, at least I can't mm-hmm. lie and say they're terrible, but so this ownership group seems to have a limit to the failure, their failure or how much they can take. But I mean, six years in one direction, how long are they going to spend in a rebuild through analytics, regardless if they have the best team or not? This just seems like more and more despair coming out of New Jersey. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I didn't know that about the the Philly owners. And it it seems tough to me to, to do a rebuild through analytics, and maybe they'll shut me up and prove me wrong, and they'll just build like one of the most – powerful teams in the east we've seen in a while i just highly <laughs> highly doubt it <laughs> and i don't I, I don't know i guess it's i don't really have anything to go off of i don't know if teams have tried to build off analytics in the past uh, the I mean, coyotes I, are a good example of that okay john chaka came in and immediately started looking at the numbers and are they serious cup contenders i guess we'll have to see but they're definitely better than they were a year ago yeah so I guess maybe it's moves. maybe it's the new wave. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it is, but I guess I don't want to be too hasteful. Is that the correct use of that word? I don't even know. Uh, it's who cares? It is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> puck puck pass bump to grammar. I, the the weird thing to me about this whole comparison, we've gone way off on a tangent about numbers, but I love it. Is like when we look at teams with good, great analytics however you know we want to describe it they probably have some of the best players as well so it's hard to say if they're just if the good players are just good play so no matter how you try to build a team as long as you get the best players like in anything your analytics are gonna it's gonna look like you built through analytics if that makes sense like good i i just feel like good players are always going to have good underlying numbers so no matter what, but and there I, are still bad players. There are bad players on good teams with good underlying numbers. It's just a weird concept. Yeah, because that's another thing that frustrates me about the analytics is that you can have, a, like, I don't know how to word this without sounding, like, so obvious, but yeah, like you can it's, have yeah, a good tough. player and the analytics fans are always going to be able to point it back to the analytics because, of course, the numbers are going to look good if he's a good player, you know? Yeah. It's like there's not going to be a superstar out there who's just failing to put up numbers. Everyone's just going to dub him not a good well, player. It feels like, I mean, probably, not to bring him up again, but, like, Ovechkin was probably an analytics nightmare because everything, like, when he was literally, and he, his game has evolved completely, but – when he was shooting, he was getting to one spot on offense, never moving, never really playing defense. Like a, probably a lot of his numbers said this guy's a detriment to have on the ice, except for one stat. Yeah. Which was unbelievable goal scoring. I need to understand these advanced stats a little bit more so I can not sound like an idiot when I talk about them. <clears throat> you know. Fenwick? What exactly. is a Fenwick? Yeah, that's what? the name. The names I like learning about PDO, which was explained to me as the luck, or explained to both of us as basically the luck stat. Uh, speaking of which, the Vegas Golden Knights have like the lowest PDO 
in hockey and they score like as PDO was explained to, to us or me was if they're winning the, that many games and scoring that many goals and their PDO is so low, then it can be 100% blamed on goaltending why they don't have like the second best record in the league. Chat mm, sign that's a lot. Oh, yikes. Which we were, t- we were talking about before the show. We didn't mention this uh, on the Wednesday episode, but Gallant to the Red Wings seems like a lot of people's favorite. Yeah, that's. I remember when he got hired by Vegas. <clears throat> it was my dad who was telling me that he was a. Obviously, I had never heard of Gerard Gallant until he was hired by Vegas. But apparently, and then you told me he was a linemate with Stevie, who's now. That's what, yeah, that's what they were saying. Yeah, who's now got the top job in Detroit. So, I mean, the stars align. Makes me wonder why Stevie hasn't tried to hire Nick Lidstrom for that job yet. <laughs> We're just going with people he spent a lot of time on the ice with. No, I think it'd be interesting. I said Buffalo on the earlier episode because I just, I mean, obviously there's more talent there, but they're still a struggling team. And yeah, it's just, it's always hard to judge what he did that first year in Vegas because you have no idea how, I mean, the players seemed motivated by, you know, being the misfits or the unwanted toys or whatever it is or whatever they were going by. But he still had to have a huge part in getting that team as far as he did. And you, you wonder if he can do that with a team as bad as Detroit or as, you know, talented but struggles type of team like Buffalo. I'd still love to see him in Buffalo. <laughs> Gosh, going back to Vegas, that's such a largely – forgotten aspect of their success i think you know a lot of people talk about the the awful things that happened in the city before the season and stuff like that but you the fact that they were all not protected by a team people forget like and they just don't have that fire anymore yeah i mean i mean just completely reminded me of that when when william carlson was having his 40 goal season that first year as a, as a golden knight It's like, yeah, he's probably not going to keep doing this, but I didn't think we'd see so much regression. I mean, I just saw that he hasn't he hasn't scored since like the second week in December. How many goals does he have? Does he even have fifteen? Yeah, I was going. God. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have I don't have it in front of me, but you you don't like to see that type of regression, and unfortunately, that does probably fall on the coach. And I don't know. I still don't feel like he would have lost the locker room, but. DeBoer's one and zero as our Vegas Golden Knights head coach, so it, things things could be worse. Carlson has ten and goals, ten, ten, yikes! But nobody has. I mean, there's only four guys between him and the leader Max Pacioretty with twenty goals: Stone, Smith, Marchessault, and Stastny. I don't know. They, I mean, it's all like we said before; it's all there. Mark Andre Fleury just has got to make more saves. Yeah. Speaking of which, Braden Holpe seems like a lock to not be a Washington Capital. Ilya Samsonov has been. I screenshot his stats. I meant to tweet him out, but I will after we record this this podcast. He has been downright. So he's played in eighteen games. He started sixteen. He's fourteen two and one. With a 9.26 and a 2.10. Wow. And 
What was his record? 14-2-1. Jeez. Yeah, for a team that was already unbelievable before he started starting so many consistent games. They're at 69 points. Nice. Nice. You got... This is not great for for Brayden Holpe. He just and we've said it before. He's a perfect fit for Seattle, but I just wonder when, when or if he gets moved. Yeah. Okay. So that was what I was going to bring up. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So do they try to move him at, with a trade and get a return on him? I see he's got a no trade list. I don't know what teams are on. Oh, seven team no trade list. I don't know what seven teams that is. Yeah, I I mean, they'll probably have to retain – no, they won't because it's – I don't know. I feel like he only ends up with a contender. I'm trying to pull up Cat Friendly right now. But I just can't see him – I don't know. Because the, the most they'll get for him is at the trade deadline. Yeah. If they can move him to – Obviously, a team he. I don't know who would be hurting for a Braden Holpe like goalie that badly, and also you'd have to be lucky enough to not be on a seven-team no-trade list, I guess. Vegas Golden Knights, man. <laughs> hey, they would if if they went in with Flurry. See the funny, the funny thing about going with the, those two guys are both struggling, yet they've both been known to have unbelievable postseason success. And I just don't see a contender. I mean, I mean the Knights could have Calgary, but Calgary's been pretty good. I feel like the Knights could put a couple, put something together for Holby. I don't know how much they'd have to give up. I don't. I assume Edmonton. I just don't see Braden Holby, like having seen so much from him and learning so much about him over the last few years. I just don't think he'd want to be in that Edmonton market. Such a like a volatile, volatile environment. The other thing is too, I've seen a lot of could be moved lists, and Robbie Lehner is on a lot of them. Really, Robin Lehner, yeah. I which, I mean, I guess at this point you're still five points out. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna sell, they're gonna sell. Hopefully, it's just because Stan Bowman's done after this year. They're just gonna let him make his moves, but I mean, he's having a good Robin season. Could, yeah, he's, I, and I think that's why he's probably such a hot commodity. Is he's still having a good season? That team's not very good defensively. The only problem is, I think they way overpaid for him. I just want to make sure they gave him five million dollars for this one year. Yeah, he's a UFA after the deal, season, anyway. But... I liked the laner to Chicago. I thought it was, a, I thought it fit both well. I'm slightly sad that you bring up the news that he's rumored to move. Yeah, mostly because I want Crawford it, out of there. I want Crawford out of there for his health. I mean he he's not been great, obviously, but dude's taking a lot of shots to the head. But he has a modified no trade, no move clause. So he he has ten ten teams that he will be he could be traded to. Ten. But yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, Seabrook obviously is is no 
stud on the back end. But I thought Calvin DeHaan would help out with some of the goaltending struggles and then bringing in Robin Lehner to take some of the stress off Corey Crawford. But they just haven't been able to put it together. I mean, we joke we joke about the Red Wings and their lack of success. I mean, the, the Blackhawks has obviously won a handful of more games, but there are times where they don't look that different, which is unfortunate. I mean, none, I mean, from Chicago to Los Angeles, like all those teams look so pedestrian every night. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much it's – it is that uh, maybe the Rangers too, but everyone from there and down. Yeah, I. It's funny though. Every once in a while, I'll turn on like a game on NBC Sports Network, and Ottawa is putting up a fight against like a decent team. <laughs> it, it it seems like no matter what. I mean, they're still minus thirty six in goal differential, but I just feel like I constantly see them losing in overtime at. That they're giving up a lead or coming back and losing at the you know at the very last second. That's a good just, point because I mean you see like the Red Wings, the the Kings, even the Devils. Like a lot of times they're just getting blown out, but it's, the Senators are in close games. Speaking of the Red Wings and getting blown out, they actually went to overtime last night against the Penguins, and Sidney Crosby scored that OT goal, which means he has three goals, three assists, a game-winning goal in two power play points in his three games back. That's got to be pretty nauseating for the rest of the league. They did lose to the Bruins, which I brought up before the show too. Like We were hyping up the Penguins as coming back and being one of the best teams. And then Bruins kind of handle them. But Sid coming back so strong still leads me to believe that this team is going to be much more dangerous than they showed in that Bruins game. Yeah, I was a little uh, <clears throat> I was happy with the way that the Wings played against the Penguins. Um, anytime we could play close against a team like that and still lose, we're checking off all the boxes. So that's good. Um, keep the tank up, playing well. So it seems like I think that was on NHL Network that game, and it's. I mean, you made the joke they lost eight to two the other night. Like it's it's no, they're I think they're like minus eighty three or something like that in gold. Minus eighty two. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. It's, it's fucking eight and a two. But they go. They play the the Penguins on the NHL Network, and it's like they all of a sudden show out for I don't I don't get it. But I think they're I as as much as I want to harp on the Penguins, be like you only beat the Red Wings two to one. Like their goal differential is minus eighty two. But you know, I I mean, I don't want to get too down two down on the Red Wings. I mean, they're only two wins away at home from having 10 home wins on the season. So, wow, you know, which is about two thirds of what all the other competitors have. So, or contenders have. So they're, they're right there. I'm glad you brought up um, home. They're on pace for 63 points, by the way. Who? The Red Wings. Oh, nice. I would have guessed mid fifties. The, of the home, you mentioned playing at home, and I brought this. I brought it up twice now through the regular season because good teams are going to play the Panthers, and the Panthers are just putting up goals on them. And I looked up home, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now. But the Panthers at the time I looked it up had one of the best home records in yeah sixteen eight and two. Damn. I mean, is this a real, like, I started it off as a joke, but is this a real problem, visiting players it, going to Miami? 
as far as so there's two ways I thought of this. One was it's weird to go to an arena that's probably still so empty. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's one Yeah. The, home ice advantage is nine times out of ten, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand screaming fans rooting for one team. In Florida, there's sixteen, seventeen, eighteen fans total. <laughs> and it's probably a weird feeling to, you know, every time you take a face off, you look up and there's more empty seats than full. And I don't I don't have the attendance stats in front of me, but I know most of the time they just reflect tickets sold, not people in the building. So I don't even t- I don't take those or I take those with a grain of salt, but Maybe Florida's just, I mean, because they're 9, 8, and 3 on the road, which isn't terrible. But maybe they'd be better if other teams also had less people come to the games. <laughs> maybe they're, and I'm I'm half kidding, but it could be a real thing where teams go and are shocked mm-hmm. by the change in atmosphere. Like, imagine Toronto going to Florida. Like, the culture shock would be unbelievable, not only in the environment, but the arena itself. Yeah. But are you talking about being in Miami or being in the arena? I just mean like being in Miami, like, and it's funny you bring up Toronto because that's, a- that's the exact game I was talking about when I tweeted, but it was like eight to four, the Panthers won at home and you don't just score eight goals on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like I, I get that they, they're not the most defensively stout team, but and I brought it up to my girlfriend as like a joke, and she's like, "What? Well, they probably have like I'm like they're probably partying in Miami the night before. Like these people in Toronto don't get Miami nightlife every day of the week." She's like, "They probably got curfews," yeah. and I was like, ah, "They're grown men. I don't know if they have curfews." <laughs> yeah, I I wonder if it's a bigger issue for certain teams. Like Vegas isn't going to Miami and being like, "Oh wow, look at the nightlife." Right, right. And probably like the Kings, Sharks, Ducks. Those types of teams, and maybe because they're also warm weather teams, but but when you're in the, I mean, when you're in the even, east, no, the Rangers, like the Rangers, probably don't struggle with Miami nightlife. Yeah, but or in the Toronto, east, that's probably it. Tampa maybe probably doesn't struggle, but yeah, I mean, yeah, in the Eastern Conference, yeah, I can't think. Of, Carolina doesn't have probably have the nightlife, but they have the weather. And I, he doesn't have a lot of nightlife. That's a lot more museums. I don't take this take too seriously either because I have no – I literally have zero idea how much – what these guys do the night before a game. Yeah, so, but the Vegas flu was a real thing. Yeah, I remember that. All these teams were going to Vegas for the first time and uh, all of a sudden not playing very well the night a- the night after. Yeah. The day after. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, I and I didn't know how to take it because I truly thought at first that you meant – like playing in an empty arena. <laughs> well, that is funny. I funny you bring that up too, because pretty you're like, I mean, everyone in the arena is just trying to cool off from being outside. Pretty <laughs> sure. I be- I believe that the Panthers have a lot of fans down there. I just, I mean, talk about the nightlife and everything. It's it'd be tough to draw people into an ice arena or an ice rink out of the sun or out of you know, whatever nice night or dinner on the beach or whatever they're trying to do. I know hockey fans are stubborn, but I don't know if hockey fans born and raised in Florida are that stubborn. Yeah. I get, I get now how my, my joke was ambiguous. Cause there's just, there could be other things for me to do other than the game. 
I think we've been trying to make excuses excuses for the Panthers for so long <laughs> that new ideas just come to us uh, off the jump. Uh, speaking of teams we've been making excuses for, I hate to keep doing this, but I think every time we talk about the Canadians, they win like two or three in a row. And now I think we're we're safe to say that this team is very bad. Yeah, well, that feeling that you get is the puck, puck, pass, podcast bump, which is very real. Yeah. We figured out last episode. Very real. But uh, you're right. Um, we were just talking about the wild card situation. I think on Twitter, yeah, we were talking about the wild card situation in the East on Twitter. And at this point, I mean, Montreal's not even in that conversation. No, not even close. They're, I mean, they're only twenty points up on the Red Wings. in In the month of, in the month of January, they've lost to Tampa, Pittsburgh. So zero and two, zero and three, zero and four, zero and five, one and five, two and five, two and six. I mean, so they've beaten Philly, Ottawa, and Calgary. That's not a great month, and they're they're at oh no they they host Vegas tonight. Then they're giving up you know three four goals every single game. Carey Price, as much as I love to say it, nine oh nine two eight two, well below average. So it's a tough scene out there for the team that won the PK Subban Shea Weber trade. I just want to say I'm very on board with measuring team success based on how many points they are up on the Red Wings. I think that should be the new scale. Because um, 20 points sounds like <laughs> a lot, but uh, it's really not. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Canadians got their highest their highest point getters, Tomas Tatar. I mean, I've been there. I know, like, I know what that team looks like when Tomas Tatar is your leading scorer. Uh, and it's not good. It's, I mean... They are a hop, skip, and jumping away from being the Detroit Red Wings. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, as soon as what – I mean, because as bad as his stats are, Price has kept them in a lot of games. But he's 19-16-4. and four. I just don't – I just – I mean, Ryan Paling, U.S. kid, loved watching him play in juniors. 22 games, one goal, one point. <laughs> He's just out there skating. And they, and they don't have – and barely, dude. He got lit up the other night. <laughs> but there's these guys like Max Domi. Where are the people that were leading the Max Domi revolution last year? Do you remember that? Like there was a yeah. good amount of people on social media talking about how Max Domi was better than Jack Eichel and the next superstar and everything. The dude's dog shit. 12 goals in 49 games, 33 points. Like they they brought him in for no other reason than production, and he's barely doing that. He's he's producing exactly as much as Shea Weber. Jeez, well that's why they, with less power play goals. Yeah, that's why they brought the ever important Ilya Kovalchuk in. I will say about Gary, he had like six goals, and like, <laughs> or he he has seven points in seven games. He's their, probably their best player. <laughs> he's a point per per game player. Um. I, I will say, Carey Price, I'm impressed with his shootout save percentage. And I know we don't care about the shootout. We don't like to shootout. But an 889 shootout save percentage, I feel like that's respectable. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that is good. I was 
I thought it was I was reading Lindgren's save percentage because he's also dog shit, but he's only played three games. <laughs> um, and I was like, wait a minute, that's barely. But shootout, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to think that. Well, why don't we talk about that for a second while I look it up? Because I mean, I was looking at oh, Hopi's. I want to say a little bit earlier. Oh, his is eight. Oh no, his is eight hundred. Samsonov four hundred though. Was probably only played in like one. Okay, fair. Highest shootout save percentage career. Oh, I guess Tristan Jarry's got nine seventeen. I guess they are higher than I thought they were. I just thought they were. I guess I thought more people scored in the shootout. Yeah, and I think he's having a good year this year. Because the all time, this doesn't make sense. So minimum forty shots against. Hold on, let's look at actual saves. Henrik Lundqvist's career has a 7.22. Shootout? Yeah. Yeah. It's... 406 shots against, 293 saves. 400 shootout shots against? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's 61 and 50, which I feel like it's – shootout – I mean, this is why it's so stupid. Shoot, Like, shootouts are basically a toss-up. Some of the best goalies in the world are on this list. And it just like Luongo, four hundred and two shots against in the shootout, six sixty nine save percentage. Here's how we can. He was, I just, here's how we can change the shootout. Just goalie versus goalie. Like goalie goes down with his goalie stick, his goalie pads, and he shoots on the other goalie. That would be fantastic. Actually, we'd probably get no. Uh, oh, I've, okay. Kerry Price. Okay, I mean, this is just. He is just having a good year this year. Listen to this. 24, or no, 32 and 29 in the shootout, 210 shots against, 58 goals against, 724. Oh, okay, yeah, so his 899, yeah, he's just having a good year in the shootout. Yeah. How many shootouts have they been in? I guess it's tough to say. Oh, no, it's not tough to say. They are, oh, they're two and one. Fuck off. Oh, they've only been in three? Yeah. He probably was it. Was he the goalie for all three? I didn't probably. I didn't. Uh, no, well, I mean, well, we probably should talk about burying the lead. Um, so yeah, I just every time I look at the standings, I'm like, ah, they're probably still right there in the wild card conversation, and they they've dropped off. I think I think we were right. So let's. I mean, we don't have much time left, so let's let's jump into the question that Luke McGraw again asked on Twitter. Carolina lost Dougie Hamilton to a broken fibula. And I don't know what the timetable is yet. I think he's still being evaluated by specialists. But even a few weeks is tough without Dougie Hamilton. He, you know, he was an all-star. So Luke asked, does this kind of catapult them down the standings? And I, just, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. Um, got no faith in Philly. I, I mentioned – uh, Twitter that means a lot to me, and uh, <laughs> and a little bit earlier, how I like the the Panthers. I like how they're playing at home. Um, I think that they could make a little bit of a run, especially with the confidence that their their top players are playing with right now. But you're right; I don't see enough to sink the Hurricanes. Unless, I mean, the Sabers would have to go on a run too, and maybe if the higher go on, I don't. yeah. And the, my worry is that Carolina just doesn't have great goaltending. 
Like they, the the their goaltenders have been playing good, way above average, sometimes even great. But they don't have Sergei Bobrovsky per se. You know, like Columbus is right there, which is still just really weird to me. I really don't know what to make of that. But Florida keeps building that goal differential. And you, you talked about the confidence of their players. We were talking about what could or couldn't be a home ice advantage. And Pavrovsky could just get hot. I mean, he is the prototypical sometimes just gets hot goaltender. But I still think that they'd be the only team of Florida, Philly, and Columbus to go on a major run. I mean, Columbus is on a 7-2-1 and one run now, but they're only one point up above Florida. Yeah, a little too early for their run, if you ask me. But I just, I mean, I think all these teams, I'll give Philly the credit that they'll probably hang around, but for 10 days, two weeks, literally, for, like from this point, 10 days, two weeks maximum, and then they'll they'll be right down with the buff, with the Sabres and the New York Rangers. They'll, they'll all just be kind of hovering in that 5-6-7 range. Yeah, but I mean, so the Hurricanes are on a current three-game losing streak. I mean, if there is, I could see a legitimate worry with Hamilton going down. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I just don't. We're, we're going to hold faith in Carolina for right now. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I also hate that we look at streaks as, like Carolina is on a three-game losing streak, but not a three-game pointless streak. So I can't look – I'm looking at the stats and all or the standings and all it says is they're on a one-overtime loss. <laughs> Drives me absolutely insane. But, yeah, I mean, if they're on a three-game losing streak, that's – I mean, Florida and Buffalo are both on three-game winning streaks. Columbus, three-game winning streak. I'm not saying they're going to hold a wild-card spot the entire season. But I think if they're going to drop, it's going to be right now only because all four of those teams are separated by two points. But at, in the end, they they have the best core to bring it together and hold on to a wild card spot. Yeah, plus they've got an all-star break coming up to have some time to figure out how to fill that hole that, that <clears throat> Hamilton creates. So I think they'll be fine. So rounding out the standing stock, we've done this before, but I want to revisit it because things have changed, even though we weren't sure if they would. Right now, Washington and Boston are still your Eastern Conference division leaders. Washington's up four points, 69 to 65, on Pittsburgh. And Boston is up six points, 68 to 62, on Tampa. Are one of the, Which of those second-place teams do you think are going to catch the lead? Yeah, so we did this before, and we said that neither of them were going to get caught. And now it's much closer. Now it's like, which one does it? <laughs> so I'm glad you opened up the, uh, the avenue to us to change our answers. Um, Tampa's got a game in hand on Boston. I think they could catch Boston. Um, oh, man, Pittsburgh, Washington, they both played 48 games. I, I think, man, I think they both could catch, honestly, now. And I know I was pretty confident earlier that they wouldn't, but. I, Pittsburgh could be tied with Washington by the time we record next. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet. Pittsburgh does it first, especially with the way Crosby's been playing, like you mentioned earlier, since he's been back. Do they play anytime soon? Because that's going to have a playoff feel to it. I feel I, I feel like they haven't. 
played all their. Oh, Pittsburgh plays Boston again tomorrow. For what it's worth, we're talking about that. Oh yeah, so Pittsburgh uh, plays in Washington. February second. Yeah, to kick off February. That'll be a good game. That's going to have a definite playoff feel. And then they play again twice three weeks later. They play twice in March too. Yeah. So they got they got some matchups left. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good. No, I mean those types of games will probably uh, seal the division. Uh, last thing, George Peros is going to be at the Flames and Oilers next game. Is that a smart move or is that presenting yourself with the opportunity to get embarrassed? Because if they fight on the ice, it means they have zero respect. Yeah, allegedly called both teams to warn them. So you know those verbal warnings, how harsh those can be. Uh, <laughs> here's a two-game suspension, but also a verbal warning. I, whatever, it is what it is. But you're right. I mean, it just he's just setting himself up to – what, does he think like him looming over the teams is – I just laugh about it the more I think about it. I don't. It does make no sense. I don't know if he feels like he's going to have that overwhelming power by just being in the building. I don't – I don't know if he knows how this works. Remember when your 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 principal would come into your class and just kind of watch for a while? <laughs> like this this is that feeling. Oh man. Except except you have no, no respect I don't for think your principal. Make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Miss Dixon. I had zero respect <laughs> for you. You said I'd be nothing. <laughs> Did we miss anything? Uh I don't I don't think we missed anything. We said that last week, and then, and then we missed something. An hour later, I texted you and said we forgot about Ray Shiro. Yeah. Oh, let's let's <laughs> let's bring out. Well, let's just mention Backus goes on waivers. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, David Krejci number two goes on goes on waivers. And uh, my little my little thought of the weekend about Gretzky being traded in his career. We could just give it two cents on this. I feel like it's under debated. I feel like a lot of people, you know, argue Crosby in this era versus Gretzky in that era or Ovechkin in this era versus Gretzky in that era. And it's just never debated that Gretzky was traded in his career, which like no other greats in any sport that has happened to. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine even now what the trade package would have to be for one of those guys, even Connor McDavid at this point, even though Edmonton's so bad that they could listen to something if it involved enough pieces or draft picks or whatever because you know Ken Holland. But I don't I don't think there's a trade package out there for either of those guys to leave the teams they played their entire career for. Even Bergeron. Throw Bergeron in that conversation. So yeah, I think it's a it's a fact that we often forget when talking about why Sidney Crosby's the greatest player of all time. You could <laughs> could really chalk up the trade as the sole reason. Yeah, I'm on Gretzky's side here, so I don't uh I just <laughs> I want to make that clear. I just I'm not trying to bring this up. I just think that it's yeah. it's surprising me that no that more people don't. Yeah. Well, you I'm glad you brought that up because that was very that was very interesting and the way you presented it yesterday was even better. <laughs> uh let's leave the listeners with one thing to think on until Wednesday. Does the last week Put the rest of the league on notice that Sid is still the best player in the game. Yeah, I think it at least, at the very least, it's on the back of every contending Eastern Conference team's mind at this point. It's it's bringing the conversation back to yeah. light because I I think 
there was a time where even I might have said, with Sid out, it's tough to deny what Connor is right now, but I think Sid's doing a good job to remind people yeah. that it's a two-horse race. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for sticking with us and hanging out with us on a uh, very laid-back Saturday episode. We will be asking more and more questions on Puck Puck Pass Pod Twitter to get you guys more involved. We love the questions. We love interacting with you guys and being able to answer them on this platform. Don't forget to buy your Save the Koalas Belly Up Down Under t-shirts, bellyupsports.com. Click on the shop tab. You can find them right there. For Maria, for at Belly Up Zach Mack, I'm at Belly Up KJ, and this was at Puck Puck Pass Pod. We will talk to you guys next week. Carey Price is still overrated. We saw no light. We saw no signal. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at Belly Up Zach Mack, and at Puck Puck Pass Pod. Thank <laughs> you.